Hey, Steve here. Thanks for being a frequent listener. I teach a business writing course fairly often that I deliver both in the classroom and via various virtual tools. In a lot of ways, that course was the basis for my recent book about writing called Communicating the Right Way. The book has done well, and it's generated a lot of interest in the writing workshop. Now, right now, this writing thing is more important in the world of business than it has ever been before. Huge numbers of people are working from home, which means that they're not working in the office face-to-face with colleagues or customers. Instead, they're doing a lot of virtual meetings, and they're writing a lot more than they ever have before. In fact, most people don't realize just how much they write every single day, but think about it. Emails, blogs, white papers, personal messages, letters, in some cases, articles and books. I mean, corporate communications documents are part of that, marketing copy, notes to self. In fact, statistics show that the average worker spends 28% of their time every week just on email. Now, granted, that's both reading and responding, but the point is, it's a lot. And that poses some serious business challenges that I'd like to talk about and then offer a few suggestions to help you save time and improve your business writing. Let's start with the challenges before we get into the writing rules. First, the ephemeral, virtual, not really there world of digital is actually more durable than granite. Once you write something and then save it or transmit it into the ether, it's out there forever. I mean, think about what that means in terms of the importance of proofreading what you write, including especially emails. Second, the use of digital media makes it a heck of a lot easier for mistakes to be hidden from the writer, but not, unfortunately, from the reader. I see this all the time. Somebody writes up a document in Microsoft Word. They then write and left justify the text. They select a beautiful Palatino font. They add a few italics for flourish, make a few things bold, and they set the line spacing at 1.15 to give the thing a little more body. They then publish it to the world. Have you ever heard the slightly crude but incredibly accurate phrase, you can't polish a turd, but you can roll it in glitter? Well, that document may look beautiful, and it may resemble a finished product at first glance, but it isn't. It's still a first draft, which means that it's not ready to see the light of day. What the author sees is a masterpiece. What the reader sees is something entirely different. Don't try to put lipstick on a pig, because it's still a pig. Do the hard work and proofread your content carefully, and preferably more than once. In fact, if you can, have somebody else proofread it as well. Here's the third thing I want to talk about. People often lack the writing, spelling, composition, or even critical thinking skills that are required for effective business writing. It isn't their fault. I mean, all too often, those skills were never seen as a priority by educators or by their employers. They're also not taught to rigorously and deliberately think through and proofread their writing before they give birth to it. So if a piece of writing isn't clear and logical to begin with, the result is a double whammy. Not only is the document poorly written from the get-go when it gets shared with the audience, the audience may not have the skills required to get past the inferior nature of the written content to read it critically or even to extract the tuition value of the writer's words. Fourth, as I said earlier, we increasingly find ourselves communicating less and less in person, and this whole COVID thing doesn't help. 
One of the unintended consequences of the COVID-19 pandemic is that more people will become permanent remote workers because COVID demands it, technology makes it possible, and forward-thinking leadership says it's a good idea. All that to say that it's more important today than ever before to communicate clearly, regardless of the medium, regardless of the modality. What you write, and by extension what you say, are very large and visible elements of your personal brand. If your writing is bloated or long-winded or poorly structured and confusing, that's how you're going to be seen as well. The fifth thing I want to note is that because of digital presence tools, and of course I'm talking about things like FaceTime, Zoom, BlueJeans, Microsoft Teams, Cisco WebEx, GoToMeeting, Skype, On24, and so on, not to mention digital transcription tools, the line between writing and speaking in a business setting is increasingly blurred. Today, writing talent and speaking talent are one and the same. Audiences expect us to do both well. In fact, at the risk of sounding hyperbolic, our professional livelihood depends on it. Finally, everybody's busy. That's not new news. I've lost track of the number of times a client has said to me, I don't have time to proofread everything. I just need to get the idea out there. The problem is that people aren't getting the idea out there, and if they are, it tends to be poorly conceived, confusing, incomplete, off-putting, and ineffective. It reminds me of an old quote, if you don't have time to do it right, when are you going to have time to do it over? So for this episode, with those challenges in mind, I thought I might share with you a few of the lessons from the writing workshop. I call these Steve's Rules for Business Writing During a Pandemic or Any Other Time. Or you can just call them Steve's Top Ten. I'm easy. Here we go. Rule number one, think first, compose second. Write third, and then rinse and repeat. The first rule points out that writing is a staged process that starts with the idea that you want to share. Keep in mind that the number one reason we write is to convey information to somebody else that's going to cause a behavioral change. Remember the list of written products I mentioned earlier? Emails, blogs, white papers, and so on? Well, think about the ones that you create. Why do you send emails? I mean, what do you expect in return? Why do you write your blog? How about that white paper you put together? What was the intent of writing and publishing it? And for those of you in marketing... Isn't the copy you write intended to create a change in behavior? My point here is that the change you're looking for won't happen if the writing that drives it isn't clear. And that brings us to rule number two. Clarity is your friend. I have a good friend, a very technical good friend, who likes to say that as soon as he can explain a technical concept that he's working on to a six-year-old, he's ready to write and talk about it with his customers. He proved this to me recently when he explained to his daughter what a lithium niobate modulator is used for, and she understood him. By the way, a lithium niobate modulator is used to modify a beam of light in various ways to make it carry data. Okay, rule number three. Writing is sold by weight, not by volume. Remember when they used to print that on cereal boxes? Maybe they still do. I don't know. Based on what I see far too often in written documents and PowerPoint decks, there are apparently a lot of people out there who get paid by the syllable. When you write with the expectation that someone else will read what you write, economy matters. It's not the volume of words that counts. What counts is the impact that your words have on the reader. I call this avoiding empty calories. 
And that brings us to the next four rules, because they're all related. Rule number four is all about displacing the competition. This is a really important lesson. You're competing for the reader's valuable and often scarce time and attention, and the competition for those precious resources is fierce. Your goal is to rise above the noise floor. The best way to do that is by sounding different than everybody else. You can do that in a variety of ways, but one of the best is to sound like someone your reader would like to have a conversation with. When I work with salespeople or people from professional services firms who try to make their way into the executive offices, I always tell them that if they're not careful, that executive that they want to have a conversation with will hand them off to the person they sound the most like. So if you want to meet with an executive or influence an executive, your writing and speech better sound like they came from one. Okay, rule number five. Do everything in your power to become a jargon assassin. Every industry has its own super secret language that's laced with acronyms and all kinds of witty little sayings like run it up the flagpole and put a pin in it and think outside the gag me with a spoon box. When everybody uses those terms, and everybody does, then everybody sounds the same, like a herd of sheep. If you want to be noticed, then stand out from the crowd. Don't sound like everybody else. In other words, scrub those terms and phrases from your writing. Again, they're a form of empty calories. Now, some of you may remember when voicemail first came along back in the 80s. A lot of the systems at the time had a message they played whenever someone left a message. As soon as you were finished recording your message, the system came on and said, if you want your message delivered with normal priority, press 1. If you want your message delivered with high priority, press 2. Do you think anybody ever pressed 1? Of course not. So the difference between regular and high priority just disappeared. You can't stand out in the crowd if you're part of the crowd. So make an effort to sound different than everybody else. Avoid those empty calories. Okay, rule number six, which I call Newton's fourth law, conservation of adverbs and adjectives. There's nothing wrong with words that modify a noun. Remember, a noun is person, place, or thing. But business writing today seems to be infatuated with them. They're kind of like icing on a cupcake. The first bite is wonderful, but the next few bites are overkill. The problem with adjectives and adverbs is that they can overshadow the word they're associated with. So wherever you can, kill the modifiers and turn that incredibly good, wonderfully delicious, fantastic cupcake into a good cupcake. More impact, less calories. And remember, this isn't merely a suggestion. It's the law. Okay, rule number seven should probably be rule number one because of the law of primacy. Know thy audience. I work with a lot of extremely technical companies, and they often call me in to help them with their professional storytelling. Once again, I've lost track of the number of times I've said to them, with all the love in my heart, this white paper or article or book or blog post or marketing copy doesn't work because you're talking to yourselves, not to the market you're trying to forge a relationship with. When your customers read this in its current form, they're going to go into their offices and poke forks in their eyes. Put yourself into the mind of the reader and think about what you're telling them. More important, think about what you want them to hear and then write that. Remember, you may be an engineer who gets physically excited by the granular features and functions of whatever it is that you're presenting, that doesn't mean, though, that the audience shares your passion. 
Okay, moving on. Rule number eight is simple. Always tell a story. Human beings are wired for story. 70% or so of what we learn by the time we're teenagers is through story. So if you can incorporate stories into your writing or your speaking, you're talking to the primal regions of the listener's brain and they'll hear you. There's something even more important, though, something I talk about in The Deliberate Storyteller, my book about storytelling, and also in the storytelling workshops that I deliver. Listen very carefully. If you give people facts without a story wrapped around them to provide context, then they'll create their own context, and you lose, because it won't be the context you were hoping to share with them. Not only that, they'll remember your facts if you wrap them in a story, because it works every time. Rule number nine of business writing tips is that you should always write with a bias for action. In other words, be clear about your expectations of the reader and make it easy for them to see a path that leads to the action you seek. And finally, choose your medium wisely. This is the 10th rule. The good news is that we have a host of media that we can use to deliver our messages, but that can also be the bad news. A full-featured WebEx session is absolutely wonderful with all of its bells and whistles, but it also risks falling into what I call the Jurassic Park effect of media selection. Just because the medium has all those features doesn't mean you should use them all. There are situations where the most effective medium is a simple phone call or a well-composed brief email, so choose wisely. That's my top 10 list for business writing effectiveness. Physically distanced as we are right now, with no discernible end in sight, and the very real prospect that this may be our new working arrangement on at least a semi-permanent basis, we have to be as clear in our writing as we are when we meet face-to-face. And we're not always that clear in that situation either. As I said earlier, your writing and the way you speak are reflections of who you are. If your writing or your speaking are bloated, long-winded, and hard to understand, that's how your readers and your listeners are going to see you. So please take what I said here seriously. It really makes a difference. And if you're interested in the writing workshop for yourself or your company, let me know and I'll send you some information. It consists of a two-hour webinar, and it's based on my book, Communicating the Right Way. Thanks for listening. See you in the next episode. Take care. Hey, thanks for dropping by. I'm Steve Shepard, the host of the Natural Curiosity Project, where we're committed to the idea that curiosity leads to discovery, discovery leads to knowledge, knowledge leads to insight, and insight leads to understanding. In every episode, we explore some topic that piqued our curiosity enough to make us want to share it with you. I hope you enjoy the journey. And if you did, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a comment over at iTunes or SoundCloud, wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you very much. We'll see you in the next episode.